0: a seat it is wonderful to be with you today my name is mike i'm one of the pastors on the team and it's just an honor to be on this journey with you. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout because we are continuing a series called Show Up, and it's God's call for us this year. I'm very, very excited about what it is that it uh, might stir up in us and how God is transforming us as a church and even what the practical rollout will uh, potentially be as, as we really get behind this idea of showing up. But as I begin, I just want to say that uh, myself, my wife, like very, very many people in America, maybe many people here at Overlake, we are starting the year off with a commitment to sort of a new eating plan and a new workout plan. And uh, this year, we have committed ourselves to something referred to as P90X. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell by the groans, and many of you know exactly what that is. It is a, it's a, a workout, kind of an intense workout plan uh, on a DVD set hosted by the, the, this man with more energy than the sun. And I can say that because my calves are on fire right now. Uh, in fact, I am sore in muscles I did not know existed. And uh, it's just kind of one of those things. But here, here's the deal. Watching these DVDs, the, the guy, the host, has some catchphrases that he keeps using. I kind of like some of these catchphrases that he uses. One of which is, do your best and forget the rest. That's one of his catchphrases. Just do your best, forget the rest. And then one of the other things that he says is, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Just keep pushing play. Just keep doing it because even if you don't get the, you know, accomplish what you want to accomplish today, then there's always tomorrow. Even if you don't see the results that you want to see today, keep showing up. You will see the results happen in your life. And and I feel like there's a profound truth there that God wants us to understand, that as we, his church, keep showing up, as, as we, his family, keep showing up, and we we keep showing up, even if we don't see the results that we wanna see right now, even if we don't see the kingdom manifest, the kingdom roll forward like we wanna see right now, keep showing up, and we will see the results that that we know God wants to, to happen in our lives and through our lives. And so, last week, we started talking about this concept, the idea of we wanna show up with our head, do you remember that we want to show up with our head? That means this mentality to serve. We want to show up with our head. That means the perspective that we want to bless other people. But you need to know that it's not enough just to show up with good intentions. We have to actually use our hands. We actually have to, to be doing something that, that, that there's a that it needs to go from our head through our hands in in a practical and a tangible way. So today we're talking about showing up with our hands. And speaking of hands, my buddy Jacob was telling me a story. He said that uh, at his house, they don't have television and so his little kids, his four kiddos, they, they don't watch too many commercials. But last summer they took a a trip on vacation, they were all standing in a hotel room together, they watched a little TV, and so his kids saw a bunch of commercials, and one of the commercials that was playing over and over again was an insurance commercial that ended with this line, are you in good hands? And it really concerned his children. Because they, they, they did not know, are we in good hands? Dad, are we in good hands? What, what kind of hands are we in? And my buddy Jacob had to tell them, well, we are in, in, in fairly good hands. Not that good of hands, but a cheaper online option. <laughs> but it makes me think that this is the call of God on his people, that we are to be his good hands we are right to like a, a good neighbor jesus followers are there right that that we're supposed to be this expression in the world. And, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. In Matthew 20 specifically, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture. And it's, it's where Jesus is hanging out with some of his best friends on the planet. These are his disciples, like Peter, we talked about last week. These are the ones who have left everything behind. They, they have sort of left the, any, any of the goals they had, any of the businesses they had. They, they just walked away from that so they could follow Jesus. And, and they're all hanging out together, having a discussion. And in the middle of that, uh, two of the disciples, James and John, they also happen to be brothers, their mom shows up and their mom has a request of Jesus. And so that's where we're, we're starting this thing. It's in verse 20. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, so I refer to her as Mom Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. "'What is it you want?' he asked. She said, "'Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom.'" So you see what what the mom wants. Mama Zebedee wants her sons to be in positions of authority and power. And, and really, you need to understand that it's just a mom's heart that desires for her kids to be honored. And so I, we don't have undue judgment uh, for her. We just recognize that in so many ways, she just wants her sons to be validated, to be honored. And you can kind of think that maybe she wasn't too sure of what it was that they had chosen for their career path at all. Right, She knew that they had left behind their fishing nets, so fishing was out. That was never going to make it for them. And, And she sort of thought, well, they're not doctors per se, although a lot of people seem to be getting healed. And they're not teachers per se, although a lot of people seem to be learning a lot of stuff. I don't really know what my sons have chosen for their career pathway, but they have definitely joined the Jesus parade. So Jesus, since they're following you, let them sit in your luxury box, right? Put them at the right hand and at the left. And that's what she's asking. She's saying, they're good boys, Jesus. Let them sit next to you. And you can imagine a little bit that the boys, James and John, they kind of are quiet. and, And maybe they even roll their eyes a little bit like, Mom, come on, you know? And it just made me think that, you know, sometimes our parents can act just a little weird, right? A little differently than, than we maybe think that they should act. And, and I don't know if they're embarrassed. I don't know what was going on in their hearts. But just out of curiosity, how many of you would say that your parents, out of love, have ever done something that was a little uncomfortable for you? Anybody? Yeah, okay, I, I get it. Um, my, my, I, my parents, well, let me just tell you. If, if you when you're growing up, you get a little cut, you get a little owie, you, you scrape your knee or your elbow, you come running in the house, and you yell out, mom, right? Nobody else, but, sorry, was it, yeah, exactly, mom. Nobody else yelled mom? No? Did, who, who yelled dad? Anybody yelled dad when you got hurt? No one? Oh, dad, we're back. <laughs> No, it's so funny. We would yell "mom," right? That, that's just kind of maybe it's not universal. Maybe it's our American culture. Maybe it's just the culture I grew up in. But but the idea is you'd yell "mom" because mom typically would be there with a a little bit of tenderness, a little bit of compassion. I say a little bit because if she had told you not to do something and you did something, my mom would always say, "Don't come crying to me." Like that was that was definitely definitely known in our house, but, but there would be a little bit of compassion, and she'd have a little Bactine for your owie, and then a little Band-Aid to make it better, and, and that was what you could expect from, from mom. Now, my dad was totally different. My dad would say, hey, boys, come over here. Let, let Dr. Daddy take a look at it. And so you'd show him your scrape, and this is not a joke. He would spit on it and rub it in. And I'd always be like, I'm pretty sure you're not a doctor. But you can just see, right, that, that, that there are motives that parents have, there are, there are ways that parents try to help out. And, and what Mama Zebedee is trying to do, she's trying to do something good for her boy. She's trying to make sure that they get honored because they've, they've, they have sacrificed and they have left stuff behind and they, and they are going after Jesus. So, Jesus, would you please honor them? Now, the, the, the tough thing is that they weren't the only two disciples, there are these other disciples as well, and these other disciples might not be too happy with what Mama is trying to accomplish. So let's keep reading. Verse 24, when the 10 heard about this, when the other 10 disciples heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now you can just imagine, they hear about this and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You sent your mom in to ask? Oh, that's a foul, that's off limits. That, that, what a dirty trick to send your mom in, and they are indignant. You might want to circle that word. They're upset about this. It frustrates them. And why are they upset about this? The reason why they're upset about this is because they wish they thought of it first. First all right, that they, they, they're afraid in their heart that Jesus might grant the request of their mom and might actually put them in these positions of authority and power and honor. And, and they wanted those seats. And now they're going to be put down a little bit on the disciple pecking order. That's not what they want. And so they're ready to fight for it because they want the box seats for themselves. And I just want you to see this, that it's interesting, it's it's a part of human nature. We like the good seats, don't we? Just think about this, you're going to a concert, do you want the nosebleed seats or do you want the good seats right in the front? Sporting events, you want to be right there, you want to be on the 50 yard line, you want to be right there where you can see all the action, no problem. Right? How about your, your, your child's performance at school? You want the unobstructed view. Or you want the seat in the very back where you can slip out after your kid performs. Like wherever it is, you want the seat that works best for you. And, and let me just tell you, I want you to think over the course of your whole life, right? Think about when you were in high school, when you were in junior high, elementary school. This is taught early, this idea of wanting the good seeds. How many of you, by show of hands, when, when it was time for, for you and your family to get in the car or you and your buddies to get in the car, how many of you ever yelled out, shotgun? Anybody? What? Well, much less than I thought, unless many of you are, are lying in church, which I really hope, you know, just for your own soul's health. Let's try that again. How many of you have ever yelled shotgun in your life? Uh, okay, uh, ironically, so many more of you. <laughs> now, I actually thought that this was mostly a guy thing. So let, let me ask the ladies. How many of you ladies ever yelled shotgun? I see that hand. Oh, yeah. Oh, many. So many. Now, here's the deal. You, I, I was the shotgun king. So just let me be honest. I, I owned shotgun. Like like we would even not even be putting our... Coats on, like you'd be, you know, we'd be in the, we'd be in the house. I'd be in the bedroom yelling shotgun. Like, I, I owned it. And by the way, I was the oldest child in my home, so even if my brother or sister called shotgun, I still sat in front. (laughs) It just happened like that. I, the prerogative of the firstborn. So, but here's the deal: What is it that we're afraid of in not getting shotgun? What is it we think? Like there are no other seats in the car? That if I don't get shotgun, I'm going to have to strap myself to the luggage rack and, you know, it's cold or whatever? That, so understand that, that there's something going on in our desire for shotgun. And, and here it is. I've kind of put it in the adult context. This is how it works in my mind. How many of you have been on a long flight, maybe overseas or just across country, and you're in coach but you peek up into first class, right? And you you peek up into first class, and you see the wide aisles and the big chairs, and maybe it's overseas, they got the area where they can lay down, you see, you can kind of, the smell of gourmet food wafting down the aisle, and, and you just recognize it looks like they're getting full body massage. Manny Petty over there, they've got a sand volleyball court. Like, I've never actually sat in first class, but you know, I'm, I, what is it that you think? You, I want those perks. I, I want to be treated like, I want to be served. Why do they get to be served and I, I'm not being served? like that and I, I just want you to see that it's it's something that none of us are immune to it's something that all of us desire that prestige that being served that being honored in that way and it starts early with shotgun and then as we grow up it kind of more since the sophisticated way to first class but understand that's The desire that we are not immune to and not even the disciples of Jesus are immune to it. It just got us all. It's something that all of us are connected to. and, And so in the midst of arguing over getting the best seat, look what Jesus does. He throws a penalty flag. He calls a timeout and he clarifies how his followers are supposed to act. This is what it says. And I want you to pay careful attention here, right? Because we have to get this. If we don't get this, we're gonna miss the whole entirety of this call to show up. So I just wanna know, are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. All right, here it is, here it is. Jesus called them all together. Come here, come here, come here. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles Lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. And you might want to circle the phrase rulers and you might want to circle the phrase high officials. Rulers, what do rulers do? They they, they rule. right? They are over. They are in authority ruling over. What about high officials? Well, they're high. Not, Not like Snoop Dogg high. But they're, they're, they're high up in position, they're high up in prestige, and they look down on other people. And the people in charge in the Gentile construct of authority, Jesus says, they, they lord it over people. Okay? That, that means they make sure that those they're over know that they're the ones who are in charge, that they're the important ones, that they're the ones who have the authority. And so they're bossy and they're powerful. And sometimes they're petty in their bossiness and their power and their exercise of it. There was a, a, a skit that Jimmy Fallon used to be in in Saturday Night Live where he was your company's computer guy. And what he would do is he was the, the uh, IT tech or I guess that's redundant. He was the IT guy and he came in and would fix everyone's computer but as he did that he would insult every single person in the office he, he would make sure that they knew they were complete idiots for not understanding the solution to their computer problem themselves. And in effect, he would say, I'm way more important than you. You couldn't even do your job without me, right? He would lord his position over them. And Jesus says, that's really common. That's really what happens all the time in, in, in this other kingdom. In fact, you've seen other kingdoms. You've seen all the other kingdoms of this world, all the other examples of how power and authority work. And so I understand. You naturally assumed it would be like that in my kingdom because all these other examples you've ever had seem to indicate that's how it is. You climb the ladder. You get to the top. You look down on other people. You boss other people around. And Jesus says this. He says, not so with you. Not so with you. It's not going to be like that in my kingdom. You're not to act like a high official or a ruler. You're not to lord it over others. Not so with you. No, instead, you're to have a servant mentality. That's going to be your perspective. You're to use your hands to be a blessing. And that's so much of, of what our faith means, this call to be different, this call to show up. And if you're called, or if you're a follower of Jesus, rather, you're called to walk a totally different path, to live by a different standard. And it's a standard that Jesus sets for us to love and to serve practically, tangibly. This will require sweat equity, this will require inconveniencing ourselves. Jesus says this in verse 27 Instead, right, as opposed to the way the world does it, instead, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. I want you to notice something. Jesus never says you can't be great. He never shames the mother of James and John for wanting her boys to be great. He never makes his disciples feel embarrassed because they desire to be great. He does not say, you can't be great. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus redefines greatness. Jesus turns the whole thing on its head. Jesus flips the idea of greatness absolutely upside down. Greatness typically looks a certain way, Jesus says. You've always seen it look this other way. But in my kingdom, it's going to look this way. And if you want to be great, you serve. You want to be first, become last. Right? You want really to be something in my kingdom, be like a slave. Make sure you're blessing and serving and giving and you're doing everything you can to make sure that others are receiving from you. See, he redefines greatness. If you want to lead others, he says, you must serve them. If you want to influence others, you must show up. And then I want you to notice this about Jesus. Jesus is not now, nor does Jesus ever ask his disciples to do something he is not willing to do himself. Jesus never says, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus is always the model. It's an amazing thing, and I really challenge you to do this this year. As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as you read through the story of the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, notice this, that what he preaches is what he lives. What he commands is how he models. He sets the example for us. And in the same way, this is what Jesus is doing in this. He's he's saying this, just as the Son of Man, talking about himself, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And friends, this is the most startling, mind-blowing quality of Jesus. You see, if there's anyone who should have been served, it was him. It was was God in the flesh. If there's anyone who should have been adored, it was him. It was Jesus. Jesus. The one who is without sin. If there's anyone who should have been exalted, it was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet that is not what he demanded. No, Jesus, in fact, served. And he gave. And Jesus hung on the cross in our place so that we could be spiritually free. So that we could be connected with God. And he said it confidently. I came to serve And to give my life as a ransom for many. You see, service does not come naturally. No, it actually comes against human nature in so many ways. And that's why we have to practice it. That's why we have to keep showing up. We have to show up and we have to keep showing up. Because the mentality for service and the actuality of service, they don't come naturally. So let me just give you a real practical expression. This is from my home. Your home might be different. We've got, uh, there are five of us in my family, my wife, the three kiddos, we've got, a, 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 we've got somebody living with us downstairs, so we, there's six of us total in my home, and we have a limited amount of hot water in the mornings, but a lot of dirty bodies, so that means a lot of showers that need to happen, limited amount of hot water, And so routinely, there are these kinds of discussions. Oh wait, I got to hop in the shower first. Oh, I'm gonna hop. I gotta get in the shower before my sister. Oh, I need to get in the shower. Oh, honey, don't take the shower. I gotta take a shower. Like it's just constantly, who gets the limited amount of hot water? But if we're trying to practice this, what if we get into this place where it's no, no, you you take a shower. No, you take a shower. Why don't don't you go first, honey? I know you got a meeting. You you take a shower. I can wait. I can take a cold shower. You, You take a shower. You see that? See, it, it, and you might go, "Well, why does that even matter? Why, why not just jump in the shower first and, and get you know, do what you want to do, make sure that you get the hot water and you know whatever? And here's why it matters, because every time you put someone else first, every time you serve, every time you tangibly seek to bless someone else, God is molding you to be like Jesus. God is shaping your heart to be more and more like the character of Christ. Every time you serve, every time you seek to show up, God is doing something good in you. And that's why we want to serve. Does it make a big deal in the long run? I would argue yes, because it's all about your character. It's all about who you are. Are you going to be a follower of Jesus? Then you need to learn this concept. Because in the world, they do it differently. Jesus says, not so with you. In my kingdom, if you want to be great, you serve. And every time you serve, God is watching. God is pleased. And God is molding you to be more and more like his son, Jesus. And so let's move this into a very practical place. Showing up with our hands means this. It means that we see needs and we respond with love. And this is a challenge for us this year. That we would have our eyes open, right? We come with our head, the perspective to serve, and then we would respond with love. Pastor Rick Warren writes, we are saved to serve, not to sit around and wait for heaven. And at OCC, so if you're here, if you're on our campus, if you're participating in our ministries, what are some ways that you could serve? Well, kind of just practically, right? Just to have this mindset that as you walk in from the parking lot into the building, if, if you see there's an area where somebody's tried to throw something away and the trash has fallen down the ground, just go ahead and take a second and pick that up. If you see somebody who maybe looks like they're confused, and they can't find their way to where it is that they check in the kids or how to find their way into this room, that you'd be the one that you would introduce yourself and kind of help guide them through uh, where, where it is that they need to go. That when we're in here and we have some opportunity to greet one another, that you'd be proactive and warmly greet those around you and try not just to say hello, but try to develop a friendship in those moments. You know, more than anything else, our prayer for Overlake, our prayer for the Overlake family this year in 2017 is that this would be a place where every single one of us would not just maybe serve in a ministry occasionally, but that you would feel a sense of ownership of a ministry. You'd be like, this is my ministry and I am invested here. Whatever that looks like, whatever ministry it is that God's calling you to do, it's not just a place where you serve every once in a while, but it's something you feel a sense of ownership toward. And the same thing for your neighborhood. We've done a lot of work about blessing our parish, caring for our parish, that that you are in the neighborhood, you're in the community that you're in for a purpose. It's not accidental. And so when you're there, just have this idea, how can I serve? Instead of just walking the dog, maybe you prayer walk the dog, right? You pray for the houses that you're passing. When you see neighbors, that you're the one who's kind, that you're going out of your way to to connect relationally, that if you see there are, are neighbors that are struggling, that their yard's falling into disrepair, you know that somebody's hurting financially, that you'd be the one to step across that line, that you'd be the one to care. Maybe in your workplace, the same thing. It's not just that you would be a great employee on your own, that you'd be diligent, that you'd be the one that could be counted on, but you help others flourish in your workplace as well. And the list goes on and on and on. And really what I want to do is I want to give you an equation that you can just kind of keep in your mind. Here's the equation. It's a need plus a servant perspective plus your hands equals the opportunity to show up. So when you see a need, You bring your servant perspective and your hands. Now this has become an opportunity to engage. And it's so important for us to understand this. Truthfully, you might want to write this down somewhere. It's the difference between a host and a guest. The difference between a host and a guest. Here's what a guest does at a party. The guest seeks to enjoy themselves. The guest assumes that everything is done for their benefit. The guest seeks to make sure that they get the right hors d'oeuvres so that they can enjoy them, the right drinks so they can enjoy them, has the right entertainment so they can enjoy them. The guest just, basically the whole thing is, for a guest, how can I have a good time? But the host is totally different. The host wants to make sure that the guests are enjoying themselves. The host is the one who wants to make sure that the food is prepared correctly and the drinks are available and the entertainment is excellent because the host really takes a sense of ownership. How can I make sure that all of our guests are enjoying themselves? It's a different mentality. And Jesus says, it's the host mentality that you have in my kingdom. That's how we operate. That's how we seek to serve. And so, uh, you know, we've talked about this body parts theme in this series, and, and it has to start with our heads, right? It has to start with our mentality to bless other people, the perspective to serve, but then it moves down into our hands to receive an expression, an expression of serving right, it's not enough just to have good intentions of serving, that we actually have to roll up our sleeves, we have to actually invest ourselves, and, and it might require sweat equity, it might require inconveniencing ourselves, putting ourselves out there a little bit, that, that we're the ones who are willing to be generous, we're the ones who are willing to sacrifice a little bit so that we can show up, and it's a crazy concept, I know this, Is following Jesus is a crazy concept, that one person can make a difference in the world. It's a crazy concept, but it's absolutely true. I've gotten a few texts uh, this month from some of you, a few emails, when um, uh, folks realize that, that um, on the cover of the 425 magazine this month is my wife, Jody. Yeah, exactly. I married a cover girl, is what I'm saying and and the reason why i hope i hope you get a chance to open up the the magazine and read the article it's actually really a great article but it talks about how what Jody did was saw a need she saw a need she saw that hiv curriculum that hiv videos that were being shown in the world were incredibly uh, lacking and, and they were fear-based they induced so much Sigma and there was misinformation in them and so she invested she rolled up her sleeves and she got to work and it's taken several years but now there are videos that that have been created because uh, she's weighed in there that she's written the curriculum herself all kinds of school districts are now adopting this curriculum I mean it's just a great great thing but it but it also Happen right because she she saw that formula. Here's a need, and I have this perspective. Let me let me show up with my hands. This is an opportunity to show up. Yeah, it's just a great great story. I'm very very proud of her. I want to show you a, a, just a short video about a man and he doesn't have a lot of time and he, he doesn't have a lot of opportunity, but this is a man who is committed to showing up with his hands. Go ahead and watch this video. Say you gotta have a coffee break. Knitting with Maury. But after, after I saw that video, I was like, what excuse do you have, right? Like, what, what are you, is, you know, Maury's, he's just showing up. And he doesn't have a lot of time and he, he doesn't have a lot of mobility and, and yet he, he does have something. He knows how to knit. And now, 8,000. Homeless folks have, have been blessed by him, and what a beautiful story of showing up with your hands. You know, on the mission field, I, I, every once in a while, a team goes, and, and we see all kinds of different things happen. I want to show you just a, a t-shirt from someone on the mission field. This is in, um, this is in Kenya, and the t-shirt uh, Don Thompson was wearing says, we're not here to solve, we're here to serve. And I think that's a really powerful thing to remember because so often what, what well-meaning Jesus followers fall into the trap of is this, that we think because we can't solve a problem, because the problem seems so big, so massive, we, we just feel overwhelmed right away, we end up freezing and doing nothing. But if you can set yourself free from that expectation, we're not here to solve, we're here to serve then you can actually be part of God's solutions in the world. You can actually be part of so many great things that God wants to roll out in his kingdom. And it just requires that we show up. One of my favorite professors in seminary wrote a book, and and the book was entitled, 90% of Helping is Just Showing Up. Right? You just show up ready to serve. You just show up asking, how can I bless? And you will make a difference. And the scripture says this in Romans 12, 11, never be lazy. Now you might want to underline that because you're going to have to define it and so will I. I don't know if this means never binge watch on Netflix. I, I, I don't know if this means, you know, never lose hours on social media. I'm not saying that. You might be hearing that. That's the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm just... <laughs> I'm not saying this. I'm saying you're going to have to define it, right? You're going to have to define what laziness looks like and how to avoid it in your life. But Paul's saying never be lazy. But look, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Show up with your hands. Show up ready to meet a need with love. You know, showing up is at the center of what God's doing in the world. God showed up for us. He showed up in the middle of the mess in order to redeem those who had created the mess. And he wants all of us to get involved. Now, granted, each one of us will have different roles in the effort. It's going to look different in your life. It's going to look different in mine. That that that's okay. It's like being part of a large, loving, multifaceted army. Some soldiers will be in the front lines on the trenches. Some will be mechanics keeping all of the engines running. Others will be medics taking care of the wounded. You may be in any of a thousand roles, but every role is essential in pursuing victory. Our job is simply to show up. And Jesus carried his cross for us. He picked up his cross and he carried it for us. And he says, a mark of being my disciple is that you're willing to pick up a cross and carry it on behalf of others. You know, in a few moments, we're going to sing a song kind of in response to this challenge. And the song begins like this. Take these hands. I know they're empty, but with you they can. And I want to just make sure that as we sing that today, we sing it as a prayer. Okay? We sing that as a, as a prayer straight to God, asking him, inviting him to take our hands and to use them for his glory. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's, let's ask him that now. Jesus, we do pray that you would take these hands, that, that you would give us the mentality we need to show up, and then you would empower our hands that you would empower our lives to show up, that we would look for opportunities, and then when we see those opportunities, we would jump in, roll up our hands, and make a difference for your kingdom's sake. And Lord, we love you. We, we love you. We are so thankful that you were the one who came to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. And together, we just we receive that gift. We're so thankful for it today. But now, Lord, we ask that you'd give us the courage to follow in your footsteps. Show us exactly what it looks like in each one of our lives uniquely. Show us how we might show up with our hands and bless others in your name. We pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.